ago, several hours. Don't get scared because I'm not going to. But this is um, this is more than just concepts. And I'm going to do my best to convey and communicate to you tonight. These are things that I have seen, practiced, and I've seen these come alive in apostolic people. And it absolutely revolutionized the church. And um, how many how many want to how many want to be in perpetual, consistent revival? Thanks, God. So keep keep in your mind tonight and um, next Wednesday, now Sunday, of course. Unless God changes our mind, we're going to do our best to be evangelistic. But I'm going to try to give you, I, I wish I had a lot longer, because I, I, really, I got two Wednesday nights, but I, I want to give you some things that I think will fuel apostolic revival, and not only fuel it, but sustain it. And uh, some of the things I'm going to be talking about tonight will fuel and sustain it, and then and we'll just see how much the Lord lets us get into. Luke chapter 17. It is an honor to be here. Give honor to your pastor and his wife in this great church. And um, it is just an encouragement to me um, what the Lord is doing in this area. And I'm really excited about it. Hallelujah. Luke chapter number 17. And um, let's let's begin reading. At verse number 12. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. See, now most of us can relate to this. Because most of us, it was our need that provoked us to cry out to him to reach for him. It was their need that provoked them to cry out to him. And when he saw them, he, they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on them. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go you show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass as they went. Not until, but as they went. Now I want to make something real clear before I get into this tonight. I believe that there is a blessing, there is blessing in, in obedience I believe there is blessing and obedience. And I understand I'm talking to a very young church, and that's why it's very important for you to get this tonight, because apostolics outside of here, or outside of this building, get to the place that they master obedience. But it never goes beyond just doing and following the instructions and following the rules. While there is blessing in the dimension of obedience, there is greater there is a greater dimension and there is a greater blessing beyond just the realm of obedience. Now this church is very young, many of you are first generational and, and some of you are 
a second and third. It's very young. And so it's very critical that you get this, get you, that, you, that you get this in your spirit, that there are some places in God that we want to arrive and we want to attain, but it's only going to be going beyond doing just what is required or just following the instructions. Okay? Verse 15, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, and he fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered, said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Somebody read verse number 18. One more, verse number 19. And he said unto him, Arise, verse number 19, Go thy faith, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. In other words, faith really didn't have anything to do with obedience. He said, you're the only one really that I see in this matter that's got faith. Your faith hath made you whole. The other nine left, they're not whole. But your faith, you going beyond just what's required, or you going beyond just following the instructions. I'm going to make some sense of this here in a few minutes. But your faith hath made you whole. I want to talk about going beyond being cleansed and becoming whole. Going beyond being cleansed and becoming whole. Our churches are full, and I want many of you here that are very young in God, I want you to avoid this, but our churches are full. Outside this building, our churches are full of people that have been cleansed, but they're still crippled. They're still crippled. They're not whole. They're still crippled. This is, I guess the word I'm looking for is this is a widely spread epidemic. I'm seeing this everywhere I go in all of my journeys. Our churches are stuck full of these kind of people. They've been cleansed, but they're still crippled. And if we're going to have revival and we're going to reach our cities, we can't reach our cities being crippled. If God has the power to cleanse us, He can make us whole. He can make us whole. But His ability to make us whole has everything to do with our spirit of wanting to go beyond just being cleansed. Okay? I want to help some of you tonight. I want to help some of you that maybe have been around the church for a while. I want to, I want to help some of you that are, that are young in the church and you, and, and you may feel incomplete. You may feel insignificant. You may not understand your place in life church. You may feel like you're just somebody else sitting on a pew. You're crippled. And I'm going to try my best to show you the spirit it takes from you to position you to be used of God and to catapult you from just being normal to being extraordinary. And I believe that's the spirit of this church. I really, I believe that this church wants to go beyond just what's status quo. Okay? Cleansed, but still crippled. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. If you're thankful for the word of the Lord, clap your hands to Him right now before you're seated.
Somebody put your voice with it. Hallelujah. Thank you, buddy. Clap your hands to the Lord. Give Him praise. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody now. Clap your hands to the Holy Ghost. Clap your hands to the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 We're going to praise God one more time before we're seated. Young people, I want you, I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me right now. This, If this spirit could catch, I've seen the spirit that I'm fixing to preach about catch in a church, in a youth group, and it literally turn, turn, the, turn the entire church upside down. Right here. The city. I've watched it turn the city upside down. But this is, this is not something that can be driven in you by a leader. This is not something that can be forced by a leader. This is something that you've got to initiate out of your own spirit that says, you know, I'm not waiting on somebody to tell me to do this. I'm doing this out of spontaneous response to my love for Him. Hallelujah. Clap your hands to Him one more time. Praise God. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. Just sit on the edge of your chair because we 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 we, we got to have some dialogue here tonight. Praise God. We got to have some back and forth. We got to we got to seal these seeds into our spirit that the Holy Ghost wants to cast out here tonight. Jesus in the 17th chapter begins to respond to a question that is asked by the disciples. Now, I, I'm not going to be distracted because the first three or four scriptures of this chapter are, are very strong and, and they're very necessary. But if you allow me tonight, just for the sake of time, I want to skip immediately to where the apostles said uh, to the Lord that we need more faith. They begin to ask God, how do we increase our faith? How does our faith become greater, our belief? How does our dreams, how does our expectation, how does, uh, how does the way that we view what you are able to do, how has that increased? Talk to us. Give us some understanding. And um, the longer that I study the Word of the Lord, I've watched a few elders over the years, I'm finding that Scripture is so neatly and perfectly fit together. And there are many times where... Uh, in the flow of Scripture, it may seem to the casual observer that it doesn't fit. But when you really look at it and you step back and you look at the whole picture, there is really something being said. And, and this is what's going on in chapter number 17. And so Jesus immediately begins to go in talking about a mustard seed. And I'm sure you've heard about this before, but really, I don't really believe that he was talking about Size. 
really at all. I really don't believe that he was putting uh, the, the major emphasis on whether or not you have just a smidgen of faith or whether you have loads of faith. No, what I really believe is it was something conditional. Mustard seeds grew in very rocky, stony places. And I believe what Jesus was trying to relay to the disciples is not the amount of faith that you have, but the response that you have wherever you are at and whatever you are encountering in life, whether it is the valley, whether it is the mountain, whether it is the fertile plains, or whether you are in a very rocky place in your life. He said, faith is not determined by size. Faith is determined by your response to your situation, whether it's rockiness or whether it's smooth, whether, whether it's prosperity or whether it's poverty, whether it's greatness or whether you are going through great adversity. I want to know how you are going to respond. Faith is your response to your situation. God help us all to get to the place that our love for God is not conditional. God help us all get to the place that our worship is not conditional. God help us all get to the place that our dedication is not conditional. God help us all get to the place that our walk with God and our consistency is not conditional. Oh, I'm going to stay here because I feel this. This is part of maturity in Christianity is getting to the place that regardless of what is going on in life, regardless of what my family's doing, regardless of what the boss said, regardless of what's going on in the job, I've made a decision to serve God. I'm going to love Him in the valley. I'm going to love Him. Is there anybody here that's got that kind of mindset here tonight? My my love, if His love is unconditional, if He loves me when I'm consistent and He loves me in my inconsistency, if He loves me when I'm on fire and He loves me when I have backslid, God, help us some way meet you in the middle that our love and our dedication is not conditional or is not given according to what's going on in the outside world. Trouble ought to make you worship more. Adversity ought to make you buckle down more. Problems ought to make you more faithful. That's so contrary, though, to the flesh. That's the whole deal. It's the battle between flesh and spirit. And you've got to understand, when there's stuff going on in the outside world and you lay out a church, you're not feeding the spiritual man, you're feeding the fleshly man. When your head's hurting or you and your wife get in a fight, I'm talking about maturity, Christianity, becoming mature as a Christian. When things go wrong during the day, even more reason to say to your family, get dressed. We're not getting to church just before it starts tonight. We're going early. Why? Our love for God is not conditional and will not be dictated by outside circumstances. I understand this seems very elementary, but as, as a young church, as first-generational Pentecostals, if we can ever get this in our spirit, hey, friend, I don't care what's going on anywhere else. This is a love relationship, and I'm going to be faithful to my lover, my Savior, my Deliverer. Hallelujah. Clap your hands to the Holy Ghost. He 
said, in order to increase your faith, there's got to be consistency regardless of the condition. There has got to be an unwavering consistency regardless of what's going on in the outside world. Your faith, your belief, your dreams, your expectation, your view of me only is able to mature and grow through consistency regardless of what you're facing on the outside world. Then, it seems like he changes subjects, but really he doesn't change subjects at all. He's going somewhere. He's explaining to the disciples what true faith is, how to grow in faith, how to become greater for the kingdom of God, how to go beyond just being ordinary. I believe there was... Uh, there were there there were several in that group of twelve that were interested in not just being as everybody else was. I believe that's why they began to ask him about the increasing of their faith. And uh, he goes in, and I'm going to read to you out of a little different translation. But he leaves that he leaves that, and uh, he he begins to go into this in verse number seven. This is what the Living Bible translation says. It says, "When a servant comes in, now now keep in mind this." is what he says before he goes into the story about the ten lepers. And this has everything to do with the story of the ten lepers. The casual observer who really doesn't look at this and from a spiritual standpoint misses the whole point of what he's trying to say here. What I'm fixing to read to you out of the Living Bible has everything to do with what I read to you prior about the ten lepers. Now let me piece it together. Here's what he says. When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of his sheep, he doesn't just sit down and eat, but first he prepares his master's meal and serves him his supper before he eats his own. And he is not even thanked. He's not even thanked. For he is merely doing what he is supposed to do. Just so, if you merely obey me, you should not consider yourselves worthy of praise, for you have simply done your duty. This is how he's setting up the story of the ten lepers. This is the setup. This is his beginning. This is how he is starting and leading into what I believe is a very profound revelation that apostolics and Pentecostals need to get way down deep in your spirit. Just because you have followed the instructions, just because you've done what's been asked of you to do, that is no time, that is no place, that is no justification for you to say it, sit back and say, you know what, I'm finished, it's over, I've done what was required of me. Uh, I, I, I did what was asked of me. I followed the instructions. My job is done. I want you to understand something tonight. There is more to this than repentance. There is more to this than water baptism in Jesus' name. As critical, as imperative, as important as it is, there is more to this than the essentiality of being spirit-filled. 
In fact, when you come up out of the waters of baptism, buried in the name of Jesus, when you put on Christ in baptism, and you took on His name in baptism, when you stood in these altars, and you raised your hands, and a foreign language filled your mouth, and God gave you the utterance to speak in a tongue you never heard before, I want you to understand something. That was not the end. That was not the completion of anything. At that point, you have only done what is required of you to do. That is not the place. It is required of you. It was told in the book of John that it is impossible for a man to enter the kingdom of God unless he is born again of the water and of the Spirit. So when you have been water baptized and you have been spirit filled and you have repented of your sins, that is not the completion of anything. That is not the place that you've arrived and say, okay, now somebody praise me or somebody shower me with all kinds of compliments. No, the Bible's telling us that if you want to go beyond and you want the blessing of the dimension beyond duty, I want to go and I want to attain that dimension beyond just the things that are required and asked of me to do. Am I making sense? Is, is there clarity here tonight? I'm, 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 I, really, I really want the Holy Ghost to help. I, I, I want you to clearly understand something tonight. Everything that God wants you to put into your spiritual man in this spiritual journey cannot be laid out word for word. Letter for letter, by the man of God or the teacher that God has given to you, given to you to instruct you and to lead you to heaven. Everything that God wants you to give up, everything that God wants you to cling to, everything that God wants you to turn loose of, everything that God wants you to hold on to, there are things that God may ask of you that He doesn't ask out of the person sitting next to you. There are things that He may convict you of that nobody else in this church is convicted of. But some people never fall into that conviction. They never embrace that conviction. They never embrace that deeper step of dedication. They never go to that deeper place of consecration. Why? Because it wasn't written out. It wasn't written out on on paper with pen that you need to do this. You don't need to do that. You don't need to go here. You don't need to do this. You need to do this. God help us as Pentecostals to so fall in love with you that we grasp a hold of what we need, what we don't need, where we go, where we don't go. I want you to understand something. When you receive the Holy Ghost, that's not where it stopped. The Holy Ghost was given to you for a purpose and for a reason. God called you to be a witness. He gave you power. It wasn't just power to be a witness. He gave you a power to overcome the things that you used to do. The Holy Ghost that He gave you was the very thing that He wanted you to use to overcome the things you had stumbled in. But so many people talk in tongues and that's it. It's just over. Well, I talked in tongues. The Bible said receive the Holy Ghost. I received the Holy Ghost. If there's not change in your life after you receive the Holy Ghost, I'm not so sure that you receive the same Holy Ghost that I received. Because when I received the Holy Ghost, even though I was a boy, there were some things I didn't need people to tell me not to do anymore. The Holy Ghost in me went beyond just instruction. It went beyond just pastoral authority. The Holy Ghost in me went beyond just what was rules and regulations and restrictions. But the Holy Ghost said, I don't like that. I don't want you to do that. I want you to give that up. I want you to quit that. 
I want to know, I want to ask you a question. I want to stop right now, right here and ask you, is your gift working in you? Do you have convictions? Has anything changed since you received the Holy Ghost? Well, the preacher ain't said anything to me. No, 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 no. Before you ever got that preacher, you got a preacher in here. And if this preacher in here don't work, that preacher right there ain't ever going to work. If the Holy Ghost, the ultimate preacher, if he's not working, if he's not speaking, if you're not hearing the ultimate preacher, the gift, the Holy Ghost that he gave you to be an overcomer, you're never going to hear that preacher. And you're never going to hear this preacher. See, that's the problem. Everybody's waiting on this preacher to tell us what to do and what not to do and where to go and where not to go and what to participate in and what not to participate What about this preacher? What about this spirit that filled this earthen vessel? What about the God that loved me enough to wrap himself in a robe of flesh and die and shed blood that he could dwell inside of this earthen? What about the preacher inside of you? Well, Brother Brown, I mean, Brother Brown didn't say we couldn't do that. What about this preacher? Say, Brother Marks, this has to do with revival? Yes, yeah, this has to do with God's miracles? You, you, you think this has to do with God answering prayers? Oh, yes, it does. The Bible says he's able to do exceedingly abundantly about all you can ask or think. Now, oh, there's a spirit of revelation here that I'm trying to help some of you. Maybe your prayers are not being answered because you're not listening to the preacher inside. Maybe God hasn't performed that thing that you've grieved over, that you have petitioned Him over. Maybe God hasn't completed the work that He started a long time ago because it hinges. It hinges on what's working inside of you. In other words, He said, I'm able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think according to the power that worketh in you. In other words, if your preacher inside's not working... Your God upstairs is not listening. And I believe in pastoral authority, but I believe the mistake we've made is we put so much emphasis. And before I leave, you're going to understand the emphasis. Next Wednesday night, you're going to understand how important I feel like it is to have submission to the structure. But the problem is we put so much emphasis on the structure and on the man that we forget about the preacher that is in each one of us as individuals. And if we ever become sensitive to this preacher, we won't have a problem with what this preacher says. Anybody that has a problem with authority, anybody that has a problem with the pastor, anybody that wants to buck up against what the man of God's speaking or what the man of God requires or guidelines or, or, or fences that he puts up around this church for protection. I'm going to tell you something. They have more than a problem with that preacher. They have a problem with this preacher. Because if this preacher's talking, what you'll find is usually this preacher and that preacher are saying the same thing. And if your preacher in here is not saying the same thing this preacher says... I don't know what voices you're listening to. Well, I just don't see that. I just don't see the wrong in that. Well, I just don't see where that's.
keep just wandering through life, having to constantly pray frustration and bitterness off because God hadn't answered prayers then. It's got to go beyond. Give me the do's and the don'ts and I'll do it. And I won't do it. The picture's bigger than that. If that's all it is to you, give me what I can do, give me what I don't do, and I won't do it. No. You won't do the do's and the don'ts. And there's people in this place that know the do's and the don'ts, and you're not doing the do's and you're not doing the don'ts. And the reason you're not doing the do's and the reason you're not doing the don'ts is because it's in here. You've silenced this preacher. He said, when, you, when you've done just what's asked of you to do, don't, ex, don't, don't expect some great... It, it's, it's, it, it, it even goes... It, it, this even leaks into the concepts of giving. Some people, some people think just because they pay their tithes that God uh, ought to send them $10,000 in the mailbox when they need it. And I don't mean to damper your faith because remember what I prefaced before I started. I believe God rewards faithfulness and obedience. But do you realize when you give 10%, you're only doing what keeps you out of trouble. When you give your 10%, that's only to keep, that's only to keep wrath off your head. Well, it's, maybe I see it all wrong. I don't know how you teach it here. But when uh, the way I feel it is when I give 10%, I've only done my duty. I've not yet put my hands on the dimension beyond just doing my duty. People that are blessed are people that learn the concepts of giving, and they learn the concepts of worship, and they learn the concepts of submission, and they learn the concepts of apostolic things, and they go beyond just what's duty. They go, they go beyond walking to the refrigerator and saying, okay, I need to do this, do this, do that, do this. We got any business owners here tonight? Anybody on? Any, any foremans or bosses here? Just help me, help me. You have hands that work for you? Now, I, I don't know. I, I never was real good with my hands. I'm about as mechanically inclined as my two-year-old. Praise God. Don't ask me where the alternator is underneath my car because I might point you to the battery or something. No, it's not quite that bad. But I've heard. I've worked with a few people. And I've worked with guys in the church when I was younger that owned businesses. And when you're working for somebody, the kind of hand that everybody that is the prized hand, the prized hand is the, is the hand that gets beyond just doing what's asked of him to do. And he becomes so sensitive to who he's working for. God, as simple as this is, there's a revelation in this. He becomes so sensitive to who he's working for. He's around the person he's working for, and he, wanna please, he wants to please. What does the Bible say? Whatsoever you put your hand to do, do it with all your might. I believe that we weigh the, the, the way that we work our jobs. I, I believe that I, I believe we ought to show the spirit of Christ 
to the way we apply ourselves in business. Well, we're just covering all kinds of stuff here tonight. But the prized hand is the man or the lady that becomes so sensitive to the needs of who he's working for that he's able to go beyond and he starts doing things before the boss ever asks him to do it. I had a guy tell me, he said, it's amazing. He said, if I could ever find him, he said, I'd pay, I'd pay him more than I've ever paid anybody else. He said, but it's amazing the consistencies in humanity. He said, we're so structured like robots. Just program it in me, and whatever you program in me, that's what I'll do. Just, I'm done. He said, but I'd pay the guy out the nose. I would reward the guy beyond, uh, beyond his greatest expectation. If he could ever become so sensitive to my needs that he's already got in my hand what I'm fixing to ask for before I ask for it. And while on his way to do something that's his duty, he sees something else that's undone that eventually I'm going to have to ask him to do it. But while he's on his way, he said, you know what? I might as well go ahead and take care of this while I'm on my way to complete my day. Am I making sense? That's the prized hand. It switches over. It's the same thing in the kingdom of God. We're serving a God. We're serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's our boss. Now, whether or not you realize it, the people that are going to go to heaven are people that have the spirit of a servant. He said, enter in thy good and faithful. You see how huge it is? There's that word faithful again. There's that word servant again. Servant and faithful are always hand in hand. You can't separate them. The people, the people that go to heaven are going to be people that have faith. And faith is going beyond just what's required. Faith is going beyond what's just instructed. Faith is going beyond what's just duty. Am I making sense here tonight? God's looking for hands. He's looking for servants that are sensitive to His needs, that takes care. God loves people that begins to take care of things in their life before He ever puts His hand on it. God loves people that realize, even in the natural of what may seem like the carnal sin, maybe it's just a piece of trash. I'm going to tell you something. God rewards people that love and cherish this place enough that if it's, if it's, if it's, a, if it's a cup on the church lawn, or if it's something that needs painted, or if it's a piece of trim that needs a nail back in there, or if an aisle needs to be vacuumed. I know it's easy to say, well, we got we hired people. We got people that clean the church on Saturday. No, God's looking for people that they walk in here on Tuesday night to pray and they see there's trash in an aisle. Oh, Brother Marks, you're making this simple. No, I want us to get something in our guts that a lot of apostolics don't get in their guts. This is not about what the church can do for us. We've got it all backwards. God called us to be servants. It's what we can do to benefit the kingdom. It's what we can do to progress the kingdom. It's a revelation. God help us get it. He said, don't do your duty. Don't do your duty and come in here expect sit down and expect somebody to praise you. And then immediately he crawls right out of that. That's what he's prefacing the story about that he's fixing to tell. And he crawls right into the story of the ten lepers. Now, I see Americans all over this story. I see Pentecostals all over this story. I see the modern-day apostolic church all over this story. We don't have a problem responding to God when there's a need. We don't have a problem praying when there's a problem. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. We don't have a problem getting desperate when there's a bill to pay. We don't have a problem getting on our feet. Hey, folks, we don't have a problem seeking God when everything's unraveling. Now, I'm going to make a statement right here. God loves to hear from some of you so much that He knows the only way you're going to pray 
is to give you trouble. And that's why some of you have so much trouble. It's because God wants you to pray and God wants you to talk to Him. You want a little less trouble in your life? Do a little more talking to God. You want a little less storm, a little less adversity in your life? Do a little more talking to God. Am I making sense? We got ten guys that have leprosy, which I don't have time to go through all of it, but I believe I can I could type it through scripture to sin. We got two guys that are in need of cleansing. We got two guys that are dealing with the impossibility. We got two guys that are dealing with foreverness. There's no cure. No doctor anywhere that they could go see that can cure them of this leprosy. They are rejected. They are outcast. They are separated from their families. How many can relate to this as far as in when we walk in and we sit on a pew? We were undone. Our lives were unraveled. Our families were broken up. We were separated. There were all kinds of things going on in our life. We were dirty. We were filthy. We were stained by the spirits of this world. We were in need of cleansing. But bless God, I've come to tell us here tonight, God forbid that we come in an apostolic service and we enter into the presence of God and we get delivered and we get changed and God puts our families back together and God changes our life and God gives us money and God gives us a new job and God blesses us and we never take it any further than just being cleansed. I didn't just get in this thing to get my life back. I didn't just get in this thing to get delivered. I didn't just get in this thing to get cleansed of my sins. Hey, there's a Jesus involved, and he's not a prostitute. That's strong words, but I got news for us. Jesus is not our little prostitute, our little whore that we get when we need something. Jesus wants a day-to-day relationship and a walk with him. Daily, the Bible says that Enoch walked with God. Now, as many of you know, leprosy had no respect. It took arms. It took legs. It ate away at the face. It broke down the nervous system. It had no respect. You read, and you study, and you be appalled by the descriptions of what these men look like, even what they smelt like, when it started setting in and slowly deteriorating, rotting their body. Imagine with me. I'm not stretching this too much. Imagine with me. These men were not only in need of cleansing. I've got to believe they were missing legs. They were missing arms. Maybe there was one in the bunch that didn't have a nose. Maybe somebody had lost an ear. Maybe somebody didn't have a hand. Maybe somebody had lost some fingers. Come on, somebody. There was more that needed to go on than just cleansing. And it's the same thing when people come in and walk in our pews. There's a whole lot needs. There's a whole lot more that needs to happen than just being cleansed of sins. There's some things that, bless God, need to be put back together again. There's people when they walk. You know, some of you know what I'm talking about here tonight because when you walk in here, your life was messed up. Your life was messed up. Your life was broken up. Your life was jacked up. 
It was broken up. You you were worse than Humpty Dumpty ever thought about being you. I mean, you didn't think anybody could put you back together. You needed more than just the blood of Jesus to cover your sins. If something supernatural didn't happen, you weren't going to have a marriage, and some of you weren't going to have a life, and some of you wouldn't have got detached from things you were connected to because you don't get out of things that you were connected to without somebody taking your life. And some of you, your emotions were messed up, and some of you, your brains and your head were messed up because of stuff you was on. You needed something more than just something to cleanse you. But the way that God dropped this on me, is I got tired of preaching in so many churches where there were people that were spirit-filled and baptized in Jesus' name that were still dealing with their past. It, it infuriated me. I mean, there's been a few of them. I looked at them. How long have you been in the church? 25 years. And you're still struggling with things you did when you were 16 years old? What's the Holy Ghost for anyways? Are you sure that He spoke the name of Jesus over you when He put you under the water? I would become so frustrated. I'd, I'd see people back just... just. I'd be preaching and I, I thought I was preaching to sinners and before I found out, I'd see people and they wouldn't move. I'd make an altar call and they wouldn't move and they looked Pentecostal and they looked apostolic and they had all they 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 had followed all the instructions. <laughs> they had went through they they thought they had fulfilled all of the regulations. They thought that they had done all their duty, but I get to talking about past and unforgiveness and bitterness and people that's done them wrong and molestation and abuse and nobody in here knows what I'm talking about right now, do you? I'm just I'm probably in the wrong church here tonight. And I'm thinking these people look Pentecostal. These people kind of even act Pentecostal, but they're messed up. They're cleansed. The problem is they're cleansed, but they're still crippled. There's still a leg gone. There's still an arm gone. And while the sin has been washed away a long time ago, there's still things that haven't been repaired that sin scarred and sin mutilated and the world took away. And then our churches are full of people that have followed all the instructions and they went through all the regulations and they went through all the classes and they're doing all their duties. Okay, I'm going to make it plain. The women have skirts on and their hair's uncut and the men look nice and cut and trimmed and there's places they're not going and they're obeying the pastor, but yet they feel so incomplete and they feel like they don't belong. I got so sick and tired of seeing people being around church 10, 15, 20 years and they're still in this identity comp, this identity battle. I don't know where I belong. I don't know where I fit. And the whole problem is, is they never got beyond just doing what was asked of them to do. The only man that got his leg back, the only man that got his arm back, the only man that got his finger back, the only man that got his nose back was the man that said, you know what, okay, it's not a need initiating me now. It'd be easy to go home and hobble on this one good leg that I got 
and it would be easy to know that the disease has stopped and to be thankful for the one leg I got. I'm going back to my family I hadn't seen in 15 years. I'm going back to hug my kids that I didn't get to spend, that I missed their, 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 their adolescent ages. I missed. I'm going home to spend time with my family. But the Bible says there was one that says, you know what? I know there is nothing asking me to do this. I know nothing is pushing me to do this. I know this is not required of me. But I think... I feel self-initiation. I think I feel something spontaneous. I believe when God gives a man, a woman, a family, the Holy Ghost, that there ought to be something inside of us that's spontaneous. What are you talking about? I'm talking about getting to the place that it doesn't have. It doesn't have. It doesn't take Sister Brown really turning the crank. It doesn't take uh, Sister Christine on the keyboard. It doesn't. It doesn't take just the right song with the right beat to turn your crank. It doesn't. It doesn't take Pastor telling you to pray to pray. It doesn't take somebody telling you to clap your hands to clap your hands. It doesn't take. If, if our people are going to become whole, if our people are going to become complete, if our people are ever going to find their place in the kingdom, it's going to be because they get beyond just following the regulations and doing their duty. And they say, you know what, I'm doing this, this is what I call it, just because. I'm clapping my hands just because. I'm praying an hour a day just because. I'm fasting two days a week just because. Nobody asked me to do it. Oh, have mercy. Anybody, am I making sense? I'm running this aisle right now. Nobody else is running the aisle, but I'm running it just because. I'm jumping up and down right now. We're not singing a song about leaping for joy, but I'm leaping for joy just because. I don't have to ask somebody, ask me to do it. I don't have to have somebody program it in me. No, I've got the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost is spontaneous. The Holy Ghost is spontaneous. You want to be complete? You want to know your place in the kingdom? You want to be blessed beyond what anybody else is being blessed? Go beyond just the instructions. Go beyond just what's asked. Go beyond what's just required. Get spontaneous. Pray when nobody else is praying. Worship when nobody else is worshiped. Give when nobody else is given. One, two, three, four. This must really be hitting home here tonight. You're still crippled. You're still crippled. Why? Because what you're doing, you're not doing it for God. You're doing it for a preacher. You're doing it for your mom. You're doing it for your dad. You're doing it because it's tradition. You're not doing it out of experience. You're doing it out of tradition. Sure. Their buildings were undesirable. Sure, their singing wasn't the greatest. Sure, they had dirt floors. Sure, it was hot. Sure, they walked to church many a times. But they seen created miracles. And they seen people on a consistent basis receiving the Holy Ghost. They seen God impacting lives. Why? They weren't doing what they were doing out of requirement. When William said, when William Seymour got over in the corner and he put his head in that crate box, nobody asked him to do that. Nobody told him to do that. There was a Holy Ghost in him that caused him to be spontaneous. I'm praying because prayer produces power.
Nobody asked that little old lady and those Bible school students in Topeka, Kansas. Nobody asked them to lock in and push the plate away to find out if the book of Acts experience was really real. No, it was spontaneous. They went beyond requirement. They went beyond what was asked. They went beyond rules and regulations and said, I'm doing this just because, just because, just because. This is not, I'm not doing this for my mom. I'm not doing this for my dad. I'm not even doing this for you, man of God, and I love you. I'm doing this because I love him, and I want to please him, and I want to be blessed by him. This spirit alone will spark a revival that you cannot control. Spontaneous. Acting in accordance with or resulting from a natural feeling without constraint or premeditation. I can't help it. It just happens. I can't stop it. It just happens. I, I don't need a service leader to wind me up to praise God. You don't understand, preacher. This doesn't just happen on Wednesday night. This doesn't just happen on Sunday afternoon at 12 o'clock. This happens at 6 o'clock in the morning when I'm riding down the road. Why? Because I'm in a love, please relationship with Him. It's spontaneous. This may happen in the grocery store. It may hit me when I'm praying over my food at the Mexican restaurant. I may have to excuse myself from the table. Why? Hey, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to reduplicate things I've heard and seen. I'm just telling you what I've seen work. I've just seen, I've seen practice. Everybody's heard about the glory days of Modesto Revival Center. Everybody's heard of Randy Keys. Everybody's heard about the revival they've had there. It's nothing for them to have 500 soul revivals. The man runs over 1,000. God only knows how many daughter works he has. It's constant revival. There's people who receive the Holy Ghost of Modesto every day of the week. But I can take you back to the days that happened. I had friends that were evangelizing the days it was sparked. You know, and one of the things that stands so evident and clear in my mind, and I'm not asking you to do this. I'm just trying to t- show you what this spirit produces. I go into a restaurant. It's been years ago, 10, 12 years ago, with kids from Revival Center. There's probably 40 of us going to that restaurant. We're laughing. We're cutting up. We're giggling. We're poking. We're, 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 we're making fun. We're just doing what kids do. I tell one of the guys, make sure i got a seat. I'll be right back. I slip out and I go to the restroom. I come back out of the restroom and they're gone. Forty kids disappeared. Boom. My God, they must have set my party. Start looking. No. They hadn't set my party. Those young people wouldn't sit down and eat until everybody in that restaurant had a personal invitation to Revival Center. And you wonder why it is a rare thing to find somebody within miles of Modesto that's never heard of Revival Center. Pastor Keyes didn't tell them to do that. Jeff Morgan, when he was their, he was their youth pastor at that time, he didn't make them do that. Greg Godwin left preaching revival. Greg comes out of the church, but Godwin comes out of the church with the keys. Church there in Modesto has got a highway running right there by the church. They look up and say, there's a group of young people about, up next to the highway. They say, come on, get a car, Brother Godwin. There's a fight. Somebody's fighting. 
They underestimated them, though. They got a car and got up there. Those young people were so on fire from Sunday night church. A couple of them meandered up there by the road. There was a trucker pulled over for the night to sleep. They were so on fire from a Sunday night service. They went up there and banged on his door and got him out of his out of his sleeper. And when Brother Keys and Brother Godwin got there, they had that trucker standing on the side of the road with his hands up in there talking in tongues as God gave the utterance. Nobody made them do that. Those kids weren't perfect, but I'm going to tell you something. The ones that I knew, they weren't kids. They, 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 weren't the, they weren't cut out of the, the normal group of kids that I see that mess up and they beat themselves over the head and they become ineffective for the next three or four months until somebody shakes them and prays them through until they make the next big drastic mistake. No. That spirit caused them to become whole. And regardless of what hit them or cut them, they had a backup plan, and they immediately got back up because of the spirit of initiation and being spontaneous. That spirit, because they had that spirit, they weren't perfect, but because they had that spirit, nothing could keep them down, nothing could cripple them. And they were more than cleansed. They were whole. Time you Let me say, I got to use the quiz by 9 o'clock. You've done over 11 minutes. 11 minutes and 42 seconds. That's you I'm preaching to. You're watching your clock while you ought to be doing something beyond just. Everybody's looking. Everybody's looking. They're looking for something to bring revival back. Revival's not in the heaven. The revival is not in clouds, it's not in the skies, it's not, no, 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 no. Revival is not coming, it's not going. The revival is right here. Everybody's looking for an outpouring. <laughs> it's not an outpouring going to come from up there. Let everybody that thirsts come freely. Drink from these waters freely. You're going to let the world die of spiritual dehydration because you keep your river closed up, shut in, welled up because you're still crippled. Nobody drinks from your life because you're still crippled, because you're still just going through the motions of what everybody else is doing. That's why we got people that have obeyed the rules for 25 years and never want a soul. I don't do what I do because it's laws. Somewhere it had to become more than laws. It had to become my love. Young people, if it don't ever become your love, you'll hack your hair.
you'll do things that apostolic Pentecostal young people are not supposed to do. If you're just doing it out of duty. If you're just doing it out of duty, holiness will always be something in your mind that's just buddy-duddy, old-fashioned, and something of the past. Holiness is... Holiness is a lot bigger than the little lady, faithful lady. Holiness became real to me when God became not my pastor's God, but He became. That's when holiness became real to me. That's when I lost any desire to do things that the world would do. And it wasn't, it wasn't nobody else's God anymore. He became mine. And when He became mine, I became possessive of Him. He became possessive of me. I want to possess Him. Marriages that don't work, 99% of them because it's not a give-give relationship. Somewhere 99% of the time the reason they don't work is somebody's selfish. They're being always the taker. Same thing in the relationship with God. There's, there's things I do, and it's totally rubs against the grain of my flesh. And it's not because I don't want to sleep on the couch. But I guarantee you she ain't big enough to make me sleep on the couch. Not because I don't want to sleep on the couch. Because I want to make her happy because I love her. Love's a choice. And you can't have love without having separation. can't have love without separation because when I told that woman right over in that front row that I love you, what I was telling her was I've made a choice to separate myself from all of the other women. If you really love God, if it's really a love relationship, there's going to be separation because you've got to make a choice. Wait, 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 stop. I'm not preaching for response because this is not... You, you, we, we've lost this. this. This is something else we've lost from the old days. God is jealous. He's jealous. And the Bible still says, now we don't hear preach much anymore, but it still says it's impossible to serve two masters. You've got to make a choice. You've got to make a decision. And I talked about it the other morning, last Sunday afternoon. Anytime there's a decision, there's got to be a decision, which is a cutting away. There's love's a choice. It's a separation. When you fall in love with God, you know what you're saying? There's other options out there. There's other loves out there. There's other lusts out there. But when I fall, fell in love with God, I made a choice of separation. I'm not entertaining those lusts. I'm not dabbling with the world's loves. Is, it, is this too old-fashioned? Is it, is it, am I making sense?
You can come. I'm finished. I, I, I want to go on, but I need to quit. I may come back and do some more this Wednesday night. I, I'm not even third through it. And I, I present to you. That's the whole thing I'm presenting to you. The reason we've got people that's been in the church for years. And I'm trying to get you first-generational people to avoid this. Because if God tarries, I don't want to come back here in 15 or 20 years and find you dealing with it. And while there's others that, that are here that have been around the church, maybe you're, all, maybe you're dealing with it. I'm trying to keep you from a pit, you first-generational people. I'm trying to keep you from a pit that a lot of Pentecostals fall into. Or 25 years later, they've, they've been cleansed, but they're still walking around without arms and legs. They still don't feel complete. They still don't feel fulfilled. They don't know where they belong. They don't know what their purpose is. It's because they're just following somebody's instructions. Remember what I prefaced. It's important to obey because the Bible says that it wasn't until they obeyed that they were cleansed. And cleansing is very important. But restoration and completeness and wholeness It goes on and on. Anybody could have been the wife of Isaac. Anybody could have been the mother of Israel. Anybody could have been the grandmother of Joseph. But it wasn't just anybody. It was Rebecca. And Rebecca looked at Abraham's servant. Sure, I'll give you a drink. And while you're drinking, I know you didn't ask me to do it, but I'm going to water your camels too. I'll go ahead and take care of that too. Three thousand six hundred ninety pounds later. That's how much water it takes to satisfy twelve camels. Three thousand six hundred ninety pounds later. I believe you'll do. I believe you're fit. I believe you're fit to be the mama. <laughs> yeah, you're a virgin. Yeah, you're submitted to authority. All those things are very clear in there and they're very important. But it takes more than being separated. It takes more than being submitted to authority. The thing that really attracts me to you you're spontaneous. The thing that really attracts me about you is you're willing to go beyond just what's asked of you. Ten camels, 200 liters, 52.8 gallons, 300. She gave each camel, 10 camels, 369.6 pounds of water apiece. And was never asked to do it. But you know what? You'd be a good woman to give birth to it. God's wanting to do something greater than Israel. And He's looking. He's looking for a bride to do it through. Not funny. Is it not, is it not strange that one of the meanings of Isaac, that's who she married, was laughter, joy, was one of the meanings of his name. Is that not strange? You'll never find real joy. 
you'll never connect and become one with real joy and real laughter until you get spontaneous. And while you're submitted, yet you're looking for a trail to blaze. He stood back. What was his name? Eleazar? Is that who, that's who they think it was? The servant of Abraham. I think they, they think it's Eleazar. He stood back and he said, Okay, God. My master, I'm over all of his goods, over all of his house. He told me to go get him a bride. Get his son a bride. Now the bride... That his son needs is a bride that's spontaneous. I want you to give me a bride. Send me a woman to this well that will do more than just what I ask her to do. And the Bible says he stood over. And it says he stood and he watched and said, I'm going to wait and see if this is prosperous or not. And I really feel like God has given us this information just kind of stand over in the corner somewhere and say, see if they get it or not. It's just like Eliezer was looking for a bride. Not just any bride. Jesus is coming after a bride. The Bible says it's going to be a You know what that tells me? If it don't have spots and we're humanity, somebody's been working. If it don't have blemishes, you, you know it's amazing to me, it just hit me. Spot or blemish. Spots are cleansed. Blemishes are restored. <laughs> he said, I've coming after a bride that's not just been cleansed but has found the areas in their life that sin has discolored. And said, I'm not going to back off until I let the Word and the Spirit polish that spot in my life. He said, that's the bride I'm coming back after. She's got to be more than a cleansed bride. She's got to be one that's whole. No blemishes. She's got to be one that's found her restoration. She's got to be one that's went beyond duty. The one I'm coming back after is the one that's gone beyond her duty, that's found a way to get all the crippledness straightened out. <laughs> God, what a revelation. God. Never premeditated, never thought of that in my life. Just That's the Holy Ghost talking to us right now. Spots are cleansed. Blemishes are restored. He said, that's the bride I'm coming after. So, maybe it becomes bigger than just a greater dimension of blessing. Maybe there's a being saved factor involved. Maybe there's a being saved factor. those people that are crippled and messed up and they don't just stay crippled and messed up. They get bitter and get 
one thing leads to another. So there is more than just a greater dimension of blessing involved. Ultimately, it's eternal. Trying to keep life church from, from pitfalls. Well, there's probably three or four or five of you that's needed to hear this, but that's been around the church. Most of you. It's not an issue. This is preventive preaching. Preventive preaching. So while you're getting cleansed, let's get spontaneous. In our relationship. Let's get beyond just rules and regulations. Let's get beyond just following instructions. Let's get whole. Let's let the Holy Ghost complete us. Let us function. Let us find our place in this church. God didn't bring you here to say, Oh, we had 96 or oh, we had 122. That's not why God brought you here. God led you to this church. God brought you to this church. You sat in those two chairs because God's got a purpose for you and the future of this church. That's why you're here. 150 other churches you could be in a day, but you're here. You're here. You're right here. God brought you here for a purpose. He didn't He didn't, He didn't. didn't bring you here for you to sit on a pew and always sit there and feel, I feel so insignificant. No, 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 no. That's not why He brought you here. Takes all of the diversity of gifts. This is how God's going to reach the world in the end time. When all the gifts, all the purposes, all the callings, all the giftings mesh, mold, and come together. Create a net. God's going to let us take great loads of fishes and revival. When everything comes together, everybody comes together, everybody realizes I have a purpose in this church. You have a ministry. Every person in this church has a ministry. And I'm going to tell you something. If that if that's not, if that's going to make you uncomfortable, he, he's really going to make because this is how he that's this how this is how Brother Brown thinks. That's how he operates. The discipleship stuff he showed me today that's going to be taught in this church, that's being taught in this church, the whole, the, the, the whole, the nut in the shell is steering you into ministry. How are we going to reach our world if we're not ministry minded? God, I love this church. I love this church. If you want to be made whole, if you want to avoid this pitfall, if you want to be delivered of this, you want to be a part of a progressive, conservative, apostolic, assistant, middle of the road, revival, have a church. Just step out of pew and come around the altar just for a few minutes before we go home. I don't want to hold you any longer. Everybody. It ought to be everybody. I don't have time to go into it. My, Brown knows this. My wife could tell the stories. There was much blood over wars that were shed. Innocent blood that should have never been shed. Because there were leaders that wouldn't be spontaneous. 
scared to be spontaneous. They needed to be submitted to authority. But everything, they were so textbook that they wouldn't just go with their gut and be by spontaneous. And it called, God forbid that there's people drop off into hell because there's not a church that's spontaneous and quick moving. You don't have to have Pastor Brown there when somebody starts crying on you, talking to you about their marriage or their life. Or You don't have to get your cell phone and say, Oh, let me call my pastor. Miss Amanda is one of the most praying women probably ever put a skirt on. They said there's been times, brother, people walk in the homeland and they go down on an aisle, on the cereal aisle, and she'll have eight or ten people standing in line waiting for her to pray for them. Lay hands on them, my God. They start breaking down on you. That's a that's a God moment. Be sensitive. Don't oh, no, don't miss that moment. Don't say, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll pray for you. I'll turn in that prayer request. My God, they're sitting there crying on you. You're going to miss a moment if you don't grab their hands or not to make a big scene. You don't have to go. No. And then there's great victories in history that's been won. And there's great freedoms that we have as Americans because there were men that were spontaneous. It's, 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 it's all a part of success. Finding that balance of submission but yet being spontaneous. It's a spirit. It's an attitude. We get it. And if you want it, you want something to always be roaring on the inside of you, throw your hands up in the air right now and start praising God. Just start praising God. Cry out to Him right now. Lift your voice to Him, everybody.
give me one magnificent obsession. Please give me one glorious ambition for my life to know and follow hard after you. And holy passion. Hallelujah. Give me one magnificent, magnificent obsession. obsession. Please. 